Hello, everyone. Rev Brad here, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Today, part two with special guest Chaplain Greg Nowitzki. Greg works with Valor Christian High School Boys Soccer Program. And when we left it last week, Greg was just sharing about his time playing in the Liverpool football club system. So I'll rewind just a little bit last week, and we'll jump right back in right after this. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Yeah, I played there uh, for a year. Uh, if any of our listeners have seen the Ted Lasso <laughs> Apple TV show, uh, you can start to pick up some of the ways what it's like to be in a football locker room, to play day to day, to be out in the country. And so to have this infusion of both faith and soccer was fascinating in that regard. But now, who, who was the coach of Liverpool at the time? Uh, I think, yeah, uh, Klopp was. Really? Still? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so you you had this proximity mm-hmm. to, I mean, greatness mm-hmm. in some ways. And Liverpool, a storied club, mm-hmm. um, a lot more success recently, yeah. too, sort of a resurgence mm-hmm. after years of <laughs> <laughs> being beat down. Yeah. But um, what, say the story of why... Did it not work out? Like, yeah. how did how did it come to uh, an end or a mm-hmm. transition point? Like, mm-hmm. what was that like for you? Was there a point where they said thank you? Mm-hmm. Well, you you t- what was it like? Sure. Yeah, it was around that time that I was playing and I really enjoyed it, and uh, I had done well, and I had about a year trial, and it was up. Uh, at that point in 2015, and I was thinking, man, I really love this, but similarly to how I've sensed direction happen in my life, uh, I gave it over to the Father's hands. And I so, said, so you weren't deer in the headlights, like, here yeah. is the top goal, and I'm going to get there by hell or high water. Yeah. You're surrendering this dream. Mm-hmm. You're surrendering even the context and the circumstances totally. over to God. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say? Did he say time to go or, mm-hmm. or? Yeah. And I've noticed to quote another book, uh, most recently it's called the body keeps the score mm. that if we hold things in our body, yeah. that it actually holds onto us. Yeah. And I was noting, noticing this stirring inside of me that, uh, is this everything to you or am I everything to mm. you? I think of John in, sorry, the gospel of John where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Mm. You were made for me. Do you love me? Yeah. yeah. And so knowing that there's a great possibility that this trial could be over, I said, I want what you want. I, once again, per my story, I could accumulate all these things. Yeah. But it's already gotten me to a place. So that was a learned preparational tool, I think, in that sense, yeah. to get me to where I was. And so they said, 
sorry, but we're not going to continue. And I had a pretty wonky, weird story in Manchester where I was going through customs. They didn't believe I was there for the reasons why I said I was there. And I was <laughs> White like, American uh, David Beckham. Okay, yeah. Um, and then they detained me for five oh, hours, man. put me in handcuffs, like interrogated me. You didn't say you were the American David Beckham. Oh, no, no, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> that would have gone over That would have gone oh, over yeah, well in yeah, Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> but so even there, I was like, okay, this, this shows that am I making the right decision? Am I not? Mm. Like I'm more bound physically and emotionally than I thought. So maybe that's a metaphor that if I stayed, that would have persisted Mm. in such a way. So I moved back, started working at Willow Creek uh, again, uh, overseeing some of their uh, mid-sized communities, um, meaning uh, a, a high capacity volunteer with a bunch of uh, small okay. group leaders in that regard. And so I started to lead some of those alpha courses that sure, I was telling sure. our viewers and listeners about and really loved it for a long time. And it was about 2016 where I uh, was at the same camp actually. So this camp keeps on doing something yeah, inside yeah. of me. And so when we return to those places of surrender, yeah. something profound sure. happens in me and you and us. Sure. And that's replete all throughout scripture is, is that there is significance to place right. in our lives. And right. God, when he encounters us in a place, mm-hmm. um, not always, but when we go back to those places, mm-hmm. it there's a spiritual history and heritage that we have. And sometimes there's a new or a fresh wind, a fresh fire, not to use <laughs> the book title by that from many years ago, but there's, there's something anew that happens. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Moses encounters God atop a mountain. Mm-hmm. He goes back after leading Israel through back to the same mountain, encounters God again. So like there's those parts of the story that mm-hmm. I'm seeing, yes, in your yeah. story, Greg. And I would say too, for someone that, you know, maybe there's a, a special spiritual place where God mm-hmm. encountered you. Mm-hmm. And and you can look fondly on that place with meaning and significance. And it and and sometimes we reach points in our lives where maybe we need to retreat or Sabbath or go yeah. back to that place, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily seeking a new thing that mm-hmm. might happen, yeah. but just to be reminded mm-hmm. of what God has done. Yeah. And so interesting, you go back to this camp, mm-hmm. and and God proceeds to to do something anew in you. Yeah. And what's fascinating in this, uh, take it what you want in this regard, uh, one of the things God's been sowing in me is the gift of prophecy, hmm. speaking to us or through us to someone else. Yeah. And what's amazing is it will happen through pictures, words, dreams, uh, coincidences. I like the Archbishop of Canterbury. He used to say, when I pray, coincidences happen. Hmm. And when I don't, they don't. (laughs) But I was uh, taking some time to worship while we were in this camp. And uh, what came to my mind's eye was a picture of a cross in the shape of four stars. And I was like, okay, that's Mm. weird. (laughs) What am I supposed to do with that? And I sensed, impressed upon my heart and my spirit, that I was supposed to wait and trust him for four months. Hmm. Okay. I was like, okay, seen stuff like that before, heard stuff like that before. Let's go for it. What else can I do? I can dismiss it entirely or start to ruminate on it and pay attention to what might come of it. 
And so what's fascinating, Brad, is that four months to the day, the church out here in Colorado called my cell phone. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking in my limited brain capacity, okay, well, maybe there's not a one-on-one correlation that I'm supposed to go to this place. Sure. But sure. maybe there's something stirring where I'm not supposed to be in Chicago anymore. Hmm. And I don't always... wait. No, wait. Yeah. Chicago? Yeah. How many stars are in the flag? There are four. Ooh. See, if I'm you, I would be interpreting that cross and four stars a different way. Like, mm. Jesus, the center of ministry for me is going to be here in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But interesting, you went four months. Yeah. And um, yeah, so so go on. Sorry. Like, sure. I, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about the Chicago city flag, and I was thinking, there's stars in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's four. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. He's unique yeah. and individual and Well, and that you released it too, right? You yeah. didn't just hold it and go, it must mean this. Yeah. You just said for, for four months or for this period of time, I'm just going to try and discern mm-hmm. the call. I'm going to listen more intently. Yeah. And to immerse myself in the Chicagoland area. Yeah. Even in that sense for yeah. those four months. Yeah, and to so, surrender yourself. Uh, then I was like, okay, let's interview, let's talk, let's make this happen. And so at that point, uh, we had the church out here in Colorado and I had some, many conversations about different roles and things like that. And then one that was available and most intriguing was a residency program where the way I've described it to people, once again, using the four compartments or components, it was the intellectual part. So going to Denver seminary, pursuing a master's of whichever degree track that you chose, Two, you worked at the church in a specific department overseeing specific things, so mm-hmm. the professional or communal component. And then three was the emotional or spiritual part. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not to say that all of our life is not lived under God. However, there was a specific way to be mentored and to be a part of this community of people around the same age pursuing the same things and having a very distinctive way of being together so we become the healthiest leaders as possible yeah. as we lead other people. Mm. The way I described it to people is our mentor took us to the basement of our heart. Mm. So we became the healthiest leaders as possible as we led other people. So very captivating. Once again, I, as a young boy, wanted to live in Colorado and in college, I wanted to go to seminary. Okay. So here we go again. A convergence. A convergence a, again or, of or two desires. Yeah. 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 So I moved out here in 2016 to take a job with middle schoolers and uh, through that church as well, they had some uh, sports programs. And yeah. so I did some soccer coaching. I heard about your name yeah. around that That's time. That's where I heard about your name. Because <laughs> right so about that time, someone's like, do you know Greg Nowitzki? And I was like, who? You know, who's yeah. this kid? And yeah. Dirk Nowitzki from the Mavericks? <laughs> like, is that his uncle? <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of some of the history of uh, how I got here, sitting wow. with you. Yeah, so here we are, cold, snowy afternoon in Colorado, snow and uh, 13 inches of snow today, so no soccer, which has kind of mm-hmm. let you have some time to to be in with me on the mm-hmm. pod. Um, so Greg, seminary, mm-hmm. how much longer do you have left, or you finished up? I finished in November of 2020. Oh. Congratulations. So, Thank you. I have a Master's of Divinity. So for our listeners who don't know what that is, uh, at any biblical or theological grad school, um, 
the longest track most often is the MDiv because you take the original languages of the Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament Greek. And that takes a while to and learn a new language. That's why we say things are Greek to me. Yeah. That's right. And so while the Masters of Divinity or the seminary experience can be described as cemetery, <laughs> where our faith goes to die, <laughs> while that can be an apt metaphor, I think a more important one is that seminary is a school of repentance hmm. where we are renovated from the inside out. We are realigned with the gospel. It's historicity and its practicality in the world. And so I hope, and this is a part of my seminary experience, I hope that my life is more indicated of I'm being mastered by divinity, Mm. not me mastering divinity. I can never master divinity. But the question is, am I allowing the divinity, God, to master me, to influence me? That's a good word. And um, I mean, just so folks know, so I graduated in 05, you Mm -hmm. graduated in 20, so (laughs) 15 years later, and um, and you're having a a similar experience that Mm -hmm. I had, which is good for me to hear, because it says that the school has maintained its its moorings, Mm -hmm. so to speak, and it's not maybe gone adrift. So that's that's really encouraging to hear. And I, I like how you're seeking to be mastered by the divinity, mm-hmm. not mastering it. And and truthfully, I've learned so much even after seminary mm-hmm. um, that's caused me to uh, weep and mourn and put ashes and sackcloth on because it's uh, you, you learn to be in the vulnerable, broken spaces with mm-hmm. people and you can't get that necessarily in a textbook or in a classroom. It can help set you up for some things. Mm-hmm. But... Um, or even yeah. talk about the way the New Testament talks about knowing, gnoso, mm-hmm. or sorry, kinoso in our mind and mm-hmm. gnoso in our guts. Yeah. We know it by experience. Right. So right. not only do we cultivate that in the knowledge realm, realm but, but then yeah. we live it out in praxis and experientially. Sure. And it has to be. That's some of the only ways it gets integrated. Now, Greg, you've used a lot of fancy big words, <laughs> bigger than mine. So I imagine you're going on to... Um, Greater things than me. We've we've talked before about um, maybe God calling you into a, a PhD kind mm-hmm. of moment. Ta- say a little bit more about that, if you don't mind. Like, what what do you sense God maybe calling you to for the future with that? Yeah, and I know you said that if I end up going over there, that we'll need to set up a loan uh, agreement <laughs> with the compatriots over yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so to be clear, UK. Greg and I have talked about his PhD program happening overseas yeah. back in the UK. Mm-hmm. And if it's Oxford, Cambridge, or, mm-hmm. you know, one of the university cities, even if you get up north to Aberdeen or yeah. somewhere, um, we will. We'll set up a loan program with Sports Chaplaincy UK. Yeah. We'll loan you out to one of their teams where they have a need. And uh, wouldn't that be awesome if uh, maybe you're working Liverpool or something, right. you know, it's a, a place where I used to play here, you know, and now, now I'm a chaplain on loan here. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd have to talk about... The, the signing in case they did want to keep you. That, yeah, that yeah, could yeah. be some extra you money for us. can't let like, Messi's contract get leaked <laughs> right, out or connected to Man City <laughs> or to the Red Bulls. <laughs> oh, but yeah, uh, say more about what God's kind of put on your heart, at, at least for this time in the season, to, to maybe pursue that. Sure. Yeah. So af- while I was in seminary, I never thought I was like, I want to do more schooling. <laughs> yeah, we never think that. Oh, but the more and more I sat with it and uh, how I've discerned direction, calling is also connected to that quote I mentioned, but also the five CS words, 
So just very quickly, commanding scripture, compelling spirit, the counsel of the saints, common sense, and circumstantial signs. Mm. So we can chew on that for later, but... Um, We're going to have to write this down and put oh, it into okay. the liner notes there so people go. can there follow along. <laughs> but as I started to discern and think about what would be next after my seminary experience, one thing that I have often lamented and have been wondering about over the last number of years is as it relates to how do we communicate the gospel in a very pluralistic, postmodern, anti-truth or feelings first media soundbite culture, Mm. how do we do that since our culture has shifted from propositional ways of thinking and speaking to more incarnational or Mm. conversational or being with people? But both are still there. And so how do we allow the mission of God, not only is the mission of God in our souls and in our marrow, but the mission of God is a person. God is missional. And so how is that working itself out in this day and age? And so I've really been curious about those two things, like propositional and incarnational. We use the word evangelism or communicating the good news. Mm-hmm. So what? how do we do that now in a 21st century era? And so I've been really curious about that or more specifically, and this could be a subset of that, is the philosophy of thought. How did we get from here to there? To there, yeah. How did we move from the 1960s way of thinking and operating to now the 2020s, yeah. the roaring 20s, <laughs> if we could say it that way? So um, with the end goal in mind, hopefully being a seminary professor or a college professor in the lives of college students, they're one of the most malleable times in their lives. And if I could step into that to help shape and guide and not allow them entirely to be killed, steal, or destroyed yeah. by the things that influence them. So one thing I've often noticed with young people is they like a coffee filter. If you drink coffee, <laughs> there's not a filter to their lives. Mm. What is the grid or the template that's running through their world to discern how they live with their peers and so. And th- and that's a bigger issue too for, for folks in football because, you know, if we just even think like saturation, let's talk mm-hmm. social media for a second. Right. There's, there's rarely a filter. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we'll unfollow someone. Sometimes mm-hmm. we'll say mute this person for mm-hmm. X number of days, but we rarely have filters um, into our life yeah. that, um, that help distinguish or, or, create distinction between, we could talk about a number of things, but, mm-hmm. but truth versus, versus uh, opinion. You know, yeah. we, we rarely filter those things out. And so I just wonder if sometimes for the modern day footballer, be it a, a male or a female person, that they're just struggling so much because so much comes at them. Mm-hmm. And if they haven't properly guarded their heart, mind, and soul, mm-hmm. uh, they almost have to activate some... Insta filter that, you know, swipe left or swipe right mm. to understand or swipe up or down, what, what, whatever app you're on, right? <laughs> that helps them understand uh, what is true, what's opinion, what's, what's yeah. fact, what's, what's knowledge-based, what's experientially mm-hmm. based. And how do I put these things into, into proper, I don't know, it sounds bad to say compartments, but mm. some, some way to kind of understand and, and, and not take on so much of the burden, so much of the emotional, mental, spiritual strain yeah. that comes from this 
this total overwhelming flood that I think hit, that hits us. Yeah. Um, I, I know for myself, it's really hard to discipline myself to, to keep the phone shut off at night. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. what if someone needs me? Mm-hmm. What if that, that, that player is out there and they just have to talk to the rev right now, I've got to be available to them. And so I think sometimes even for ourselves, the practice of setting boundary mm-hmm. of, of self care, yeah. those are challenges as a chaplain but I think, too, if we can do those well, we can give a good example to to the men and women that we serve. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so, I think that importantly, like in that sense, I think of the uh, quote from Blaise Pascal that says, most of mankind's problems stem from their inability to be in a hmm. room alone hmm. for an hour. So that's why it's crucial, critical for me to start my day with silence and solitude and I'll just run on a page like this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm angry about. This mm. is what I'm sad about. This is what I'm scared about. It almost feels frenetic in that sense, but it then centers me. It grounds me. And I help think through like what is data? What is judgments? What are feelings? And then how does that then impact how I'm stewarding whatever is coming into my life today? Well, you said stewarding there too. And I just think so many people, at least in American cultural ways, will think, if I were to sit alone for an hour with myself, my mm. thoughts, and with God, yeah. I've wasted, yeah. like, right? They would go to that, like, I've got to get up. I've got to start mm-hmm. get going on my day. I've got to fill in the blank. Yeah. I think it's really hard to discipline ourselves to sit in the silence, mm-hmm. to sit in the solitude, because we're, we're afraid. Yeah. We're afraid, what will I encounter? Will I encounter mm-hmm. God? Will he encounter me? Mm-hmm. Um, or will I just encounter myself, my own thoughts, my own demons that I've struggled and wrestled with? Mm-hmm. If God's not part of the picture, it, it can be other things about their mentality. Yeah. Um, that can be really hard to do, but, mm-hmm. but what a good, important, helpful practice for that centering and grounding mm-hmm. is, as you talk about it. Well, Greg, you've, you've worked a lot with young people. You've yeah. worked in youth culture. You're, you have this desire, this this uh, drive, this vision, this heart toward the future of, mm. you know, maybe f- somehow making sure that they get grounded themselves, mm-hmm. and um, and that was part of the attraction of of having you come alongside and coming part of, becoming part of Soccer Chaplains United and working with the young uh, the young men that you're working with over at Valor mm-hmm. and their soccer program. So. Let's shift a little bit and um, talk a little bit about, you know, just even how the Valor story kind of unfolded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because this is kind of fun. It's incredible. Um, so you and I have kept in touch over the last year or two in thinking through what could the possibility be of a partnership with soccer and faith and the surrounding community if I'm still here. Yeah, you're going to become the director of theology or something. <laughs> and. <laughs> And what's fascinating, so back up almost exactly a year, if I'm thinking about it accurately, um, I had just been uh, working through this small business I was running, and then COVID hit Mm. our world. Yeah. And I started to pray, and I asked God, how do you want me to respond to COVID? Mm. And if there was ever a question that could rewire our thinking and impact the way we engage with the world, they would be that question, God, how do you want me to respond to this person, to the situation, to the person that I care about? Yeah. And what's fascinating about that, if you think through it, is it actually includes two presuppositions. 
One, that you and I actually have a relationship with God. Mm. And two, this is probably the most strenuous and difficult part, that we're willing to live out the answer regardless of what he says. Hmm. So in that sense, uh, I took a job as a chaplain in a healthcare facility in the Denver area because I wanted to put myself in proximity with who are hopeless. Yeah. And while I was driving, uh, I passed Valor. And I thought, oh, I remember like maybe being a part of that someday. And as long as I'm here in Denver, if I could ever be a part of that place in any way to help serve or bless or do anything, I, I just wonder. It was that as I passed it, it was a fleeting thought. And no, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, maybe even five, you called my cell phone. This part of the story <laughs> always blows me away. Because for those that don't know, the, the Valor sits across the parking lot mm-hmm. from the church where you and I both worked right. in offsetting times. Mm-hmm. But so you and I would literally see Valor every day. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for a number of years as a volunteer chaplain, Mm -hmm. I think seven, eight years. And so I I still can't believe I call you five minutes after driving by, (laughs) 10 minutes maybe. I I thought this was like days, hours, weeks after, but no. Mm -hmm. Um, This is is where if you don't know, friend, if you don't know God, Mm -hmm. when you surrender to him and Mm -hmm. you go, hey, I want what you want, he starts doing these amazing things in your story and, and you just go... Wow, there's no other way that that could. Mm-hmm. So I I chalk that up to one of those. No other way. Absolutely. I mean, this is. I, I think there's going to be a humor comedy club up in heaven, <laughs> and God's going to show all these clips where He's like, "Ha, see where I got you there." And and this is going to be one of the highlight real ones. It's yeah. like, hey, five minutes after driving by, mm. ring the yeah. phone. So so I call you. I don't remember what did I say. What up? Rev Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember me Uh, from like a year ago? That's right. Well, thankfully on certain uh, phones, there is a a I wasn't blocked. I wasn't blocked. I wasn't a caller ID blocked. (laughs) (laughs) But it said soccer chaplaincy, Brad Kenny. I'm like, oh, Hmm. how about that? (laughs) And I remember sitting in the healthcare facilities parking lot talking to you about the possibility. And I think I might have mentioned to you in that moment, dude, I just drove past Valor on the way to this facility. Yeah, Let's talk more about this. And the word chaplain kept stirring in my brain Mm. and in my heart. Just a month before that, I had taken a seminary class on crisis management and conflict and stepping in as chaplain. I'm like, this has been bubbling in my brain Mm. for the past two months. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that class, this job. And this opportunity. Yeah. So sometimes there's that that CS word, circumstantial sign. Yeah. Or the God, counsel. God prepping you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Counsel of the saints. So that was a really sweet moment to think about, all right, let's explore a possibility at Valor. Yeah. And so we met and we talked with Schultze and another chaplain, Aaron. So. And then COVID affected the fall season. So it it's kind of pushed the boys out in the spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the season gets set to kick off here. This next week, um, which will be a truncated season, mm-hmm. 10 games mm-hmm. and then playoffs, which uh, Valor sits in the 5A bracket, which is the highest uh, level of high school uh, soccer in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but Greg, you've been working with the team, with the boys for a number of months now, mm-hmm. um, working out spiritual formation plans. Right. You've been working with uh, coach coaches and coaching staff and and 
what's kind of been for you the the lay of the land over at Valor and mm-hmm. you know what what's these last few months been like as 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 a chaplain and uh and working yeah with the program with the boys mm-hmm. with the with the coaches yeah being willing to adjust hmm. If there was ever a, a word that would describe 2020 and 2021 is, we don't know. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but in that same regard is not being fatalistic and just throwing up our hands and saying, we're not going to do anything to serve the needs of our friends, of our people. And so we have, as Brad just mentioned, um, been developing spiritual inventories and a sense of who are these gentlemen and people that... Uh, we're going to be a part of their lives with. And so the rhythm each week is uh, one of us as a chaplain will go to training, we'll be on a Zoom call, or we'll be in their life by going to their lunches and or meeting with them on the campus and things like that. One particular story that is fresh and hot out of the oven was this Monday, just a few days ago. Um, One of the younger students who's a, a freshman in college or high school right now, he was having uh, one of the most substantial surgeries I've heard of Mm. in a long time. He was having a six-hour surgery to lift up his spine and remove a tumor that had been attached to these nerves. Mm. And he has been having this pain persist for a year. Wow. So we've known about this for, at least in my experience, over eight, nine months. And so both the head coach and I went to the hospital at 6.20 in the morning to be with his mom and dad, to talk to him, to offer this sense of presence and lightness and humor. So the way I've described myself with students is a silliness and a seriousness. Yeah. That I'm not, I'm about 10 years plus from your age group, but um I, as you just heard before, there's been significant things that have happened in my high school journey that can add, as a counselor friend of mine says, redemptive influence. As mm. a result of what we go mm. through, yeah. we can give that to others. So while sitting there in the waiting room, the constriction and downcastness of the family to offer a lighthearted comment, hey, uh, kid's name, what are you looking forward to eating right after surgery? Mm. <laughs> He's like, I don't know, this and that. Like, do you like McDonald's? And his eyes flash open. Yeah. It's like, hey, how about we bring you a McGriddle on Thursday? (laughs) So it's finding those unique and specific ways to care and attend to the people that we're involved with. Yeah. And so uh, just on Monday, so we did that. And then at training, his older brother was at training and you could see that he was concerned in his Mm -hmm. head. And Mm -hmm. so being there and checking in with him and saying, how are you doing? Yeah. We've been thinking about you all day. We're here to support you. We're stepping in, as Philip Yancey says, into the stream of love God already has for that person. I'm not looking to take away or I'm not looking to add. I'm looking to already partner with what he's doing yeah. in that person's life. To walk alongside of That's right. Yeah. I, I often tell chaplains that we're not there to go too far ahead or mm-hmm. be too far behind. Yeah. Just like an athletic trainer walks uh, at the pace of an injured player off mm-hmm. the pitch, we walk with... And so the athletic trainer is fully fit, healed, whole, healthy. And, and there's that one kind of limping off. We go at their pace. We go at the, at the level that they desire. And, and here you are coming alongside these, these two young men. 
in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. One needs something totally different than the other. Yeah. One one needs some some lightness, some levity to a, a difficult moment, probably the most difficult moment in yeah. his life to this point. And yet God puts you and I into these situations, into mm-hmm. these moments where we we have to understand we, we, we have to understand, read the room, so yeah. to speak, right. and be able to walk the way that they're walking and and, and that helps create some buy-in, some conversation mm-hmm. to show to show love yeah. to them. Even purposely asking this uh, kid in the waiting room, have you ever had a surgery before? Mm. He may have never, and he didn't. That was his first ever surgery. Can yeah. you imagine that yeah. being your first ever surgery? Yeah. We just went there this morning on Thursday and saw the incision. It was about 12 inches long. We didn't even know that going in. Yeah. And so even there, his mom and his dad needed different things. To be a man with his dad. Yeah was also significant and huge too that day. Yeah. And so just amazing. What what a privilege. And and you'll collect these stories. I know you already have, but you'll collect these stories where we just feel really privileged and blessed to walk alongside mm-hmm. people. We walk through hard things. We yeah. don't have all the answers. We don't have right answers most of the time. Mm. But we're just present. Yeah. And I think in the moment when we can allow education experience, like you, you talked about your five things that kind of help influence and inform yeah. a particular moment where we can speak truth, love, grace, mm-hmm. life into uh, darkness, into difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really the call of the chaplain. And, and it's a, it's really a privilege. You know, there, there is a place and, and I've, I've wrestled with this from time to time because mama always wanted me to be a preacher, mm-hmm. right? So when I don't preach on a Sunday morning, behind a pulpit or lectern in a building somewhere that we call church. Mm. Like I've, I've had to wrestle through that sense of identity, mm. but I wouldn't trade it for a moment for being and walking in some of the places I've, I've walked through with people. And, and that's, um, that has been for me the heart of my own chaplaincy call. And so Greg, it's awesome to hear that you have been able to walk through, uh, with, with, um, with this family, with uh, these these two young men, um, but I imagine that's not the full. Ex- that's that's not an everyday occurrence. Yeah. Like this is this is more um, the rarity. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what does the everyday look like with a bunch of high school boys that are playing? You know, vying for a JV or varsity, or I don't know. Has Brian got three teams this year? Like, yeah. I think yep. he said he's got about like fifty, and oh. last year he had thirty guys. Come oh my out. goodness! So, so they may have to do cuts uh, yeah. for the program this mm-hmm. year. We, um, I, I've been in that place before. You know, you mm-hmm. see the the young guy that came out for the team, put his heart out there, but just wasn't good enough to make to make that team, and and yeah. you put an arm around them. I think that's again the beauty of a chaplain. Right. Coaches coaches sometimes have to deliver the bad news and yeah. say, "Sorry, you didn't make it." Yeah. And and maybe they have something else like, hey, would you consider being a manager for the team or would yeah. you want to be involved with the program in another way? And I think Brian and his group are really good about passing those hard words on with love and yeah. with, you know, coming alongside. But the beauty of the chaplain, right, is we get to put an arm around and and mm-hmm. uh, and serve in a different way. But what what are some of the other things that you as a chaplain this year with with the team? Yeah. Uh, you've been able to serve or or share with them. What are some of the ways you've been able to do that? Yeah, being at training is one very specific and cool thing. Uh, another is a 
weekly Zoom call that we'll do where we're uh, having this curriculum going through the audience of one. And in that regard, we'll address it at multiple levels. So we'll do a chaplain chat, as we call it, a six to seven minute vignette on a teaching, a scripture, a saint, or a song. And then we'll reinforce that throughout the week, whether it be in a lab at practice, a particular training or exercise, and then having those one-on-one times, whether at lunch or, unfortunately, we were supposed to have a large devotional in the gym today, <laughs> but that got nixed and nullified because of our 14 inches, uh, specifically in Highlands Ranch. But um, those are some of the things that I also think, as you said earlier, provide the groundwork that prep the time of having moments like the ones at the hospital, that yeah. as you are consistent, as I am consistent in those spheres of influence that we're given to steward, those then lead to those safe trust-building conversations that, I, in my experience, are housed within our heart for a lifetime. Going back to my own father's death, I don't remember a lot of what was said at mm. the funeral or even in the months afterwards, but what I do remember is who was there. I remember who was there. So um, those are some of the things that we're doing uh, every week that has been substantial. I also think of another uh, picture or a metaphor that comes to mind in that sense is uh, like a slingshot or a a rubber band that the farther you pull it back, the further it will fly. Yeah. So even in that sense, having that picture in mind that while there might be setbacks and hiccups, there are things that are forming us now that can then inform us in the future. Sure. So. Sure. Well, Greg, um, as we come to a close uh, today in a minute, I want to ask you to say a, a blessing and a prayer, not only for the Valor Eagles, mm. but you know, also for high school soccer throughout the entire U.S. You, mm. you are one of two chaplains that we have right now serving in high school. Um, our other chaplain, Ryan Doyle, uh, we're hopefully going to have him on in a couple of weeks here as, as the season for them gets started in Tennessee. But I think, Greg, you are uniquely positioned to kind of understand some of the demands, the mm. pressures that are on young people today. Yeah. And, you know, in, in my experience, the, uh, the boys playing over at Valor have, um, it's a high level program. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, because of the way the the youth academy system is in the U.S. right now, um, there's other higher level opportunities mm-hmm. at their age group, but for a high school experience, and, and I know what coach Schultz brings to the program and, and the professionalism mm-hmm. that he, he wants and, and his desire to cultivate young men. Um, just to think through though, what our young people are facing. Mm-hmm. And, and I would even say, um, having teenage daughters myself mm-hmm. and watching how COVID has affected them yeah being remote in many ways, being at distance mm-hmm. in their learning, in their relational lives. Um, and, I, and I think they've had some, some special things afforded and accorded to them that I would say the majority of even uh, Americans haven't had. Mm-hmm. And so then when we, when we step back a little bit more and go, we look at around the world, what children are facing, yeah. it's tremendous. Yeah. And so you know, kind of with those thoughts, I, w- I want to encourage you to, to form your, your prayer and your blessing mm-hmm. around some of those things that, that you know that that, um, that group of young boys in, and young girls are facing and mm-hmm. going through right now. And before you pray, though, I, I do want to mention, um, you know, maybe you're a coach, an athletic director, you've got a high school program, and chaplaincy would be something you're interested in, you're curious about. 
our desire with Soccer Chaplains United, we're not just here about serving uh, pro athletes in, in chaplaincy. We're not just about, you know, working with the stars and the star-studded environment. We really want to put uh, someone like Greg into a place where they can walk alongside your young man, your young woman and their family and whatever they face in the course of their high school years and their high school playing experience. So whether that's in a high school environment, whether that's in a youth club environment, uh, if you're interested in talking about chaplaincy, we're interested in helping serve you, helping make a placement. We place volunteers, high level volunteers into these roles. And we just really want to see them as Greg has articulated so well today, come alongside and and stand in the stream with mm-hmm. them, stand in the stream of God's love to to walk alongside at their pace. And so if you're listening, just reach out to us. Soccerchaplainsunited.org is one way. Um, our email contact stuff is there. You, you can find it. And we'd love to help serve you, your team, your community, your school in this way and, and place really a dynamic chaplain like Greg here with you. So Greg, would you just take a minute? Would you, uh, would you close us with prayer? Yeah. Well, wherever you're listening, whether it's in your car, at your home, wherever you are, if you're able, take a few deep breaths to be centered in your body, to know that all of you is welcome before God. And we pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you come now? into our mind's eye, into the valves of our heart, into the room of which we occupy. You run this world. You are bigger than we think. The things that are big to us aren't big to you. That you have come into this world and done something decisive about our sin, about our shame, about our anxiety, about our loneliness, about our meaninglessness, you have come to give yourself to us, to restore us back to our truest selves, to you and other people, to do a divine renovation in our lives that impacts how we live in the world. And so we pray right now for the youth and all youth workers in the United States. Would you come and equip? Would you come and guide? Would you come and subside all the things that tend to draw us away from you? In a time of disconnectedness, would you connect us to you and to other people? We pray that depression would subside and be displaced by perfect love. We pray fear would be gone in Jesus' name that hope would rise, that 1 Peter 5, verse 6, we can cast all of our anxiety on you because you care for us. In Psalm 55, that we can cast our burden on the Lord and he will sustain us, that you're strong enough to do something about it and you're loving to want to. So would you give vision? Would you give filter? Would you give hope? Would you give exactly what these students need during this time? Equip them with wisdom and foresight and 
grant them the people in their life that are safe to help them become all that they're meant to be under you. We ask that you provide for the pieces of their heart and their life and you do a miraculous work in this nation. We pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us today. This is Rev Brad and Greg Nowitzki coming to you from the Touchline. Touchline.